Jones Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thank you again to Pastor Hightower for spending an entire hour talking with me about uh, mostly just the most basic uh, conversations um, that I'm probably capable of having with him uh, about society today um, and also a little bit about Florida. Um, next up is Dan DiOrio uh, from the Morning Show. Uh, Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm watering right now. It is so dry out. I actually saw some robins fly down. They pulled some worms out, and they actually had a cup of dip. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Uh, how are how are things going for you? If you don't mind me asking, how's the health um, um, stuff going? Uh, I, I know you're pretty honest and open about it on the morning show that you are battling cancer. Yeah, I just had a fluid chemo. So, uh, but the, the neuropathy sets in. I can't even touch anything. If I'm making an omelet, I got to have my son come down and break the egg open. Wow. Uh, and are you doing okay and right at this moment? Thank you for jumping on the show. Yeah, I don't feel too bad. Okay. I know I'll feel tired tonight, but I'm going to get up and work out. I got my <clears throat> front area. I got a huge ash tree and probably about a 20 by 10 foot. Uh, shade garden. Cool. Uh, so what has been going on in the morning show? Let me do that before I throw topics at you. Uh, what are some of the biggest things you've been talking about or some of the things that you think people should be checking out? Well, I tell you, Greg and I, I don't pick candidates. I don't root for one candidate. Mm -hmm. I like the game of politics. Fair enough. And Tim Scott coming in is interesting for the Republican party. And I'm thinking if, Trump DeSantis doesn't work out. You run a uh, faith-based African-American who's incredibly smart, right. uh, a great speaker, mm -hmm. who will fight back not as virulent as DeSantis will against wokeism, but he will bring it up in the context of his faith and will fight racism. Sure. Uh, he just fires back when anyone calls him a token or the N-word. He's like, hey, this is America for all. We all have opportunities, and that's what I want to bring. But then you have the Trump DeSantis thing, which is really interesting. Sure. And Nikki Haley is trying to paint DeSantis as uh, uh, just a carving copy of Trump, and that's a way for her to throw them together. Maybe they'll split the vote up and allow someone else in, but they own like 75, 80% of the vote between the two. Yes, between the two, um, it seems to be almost all of the Republican vote. I, I will say this about uh, Tim Scott, who I like a lot, too, for a lot of the reasons uh, you just said. I know you said you don't actually advocate for a specific candidate, but I, I, I like Tim Scott. I like the way he speaks. I like the the way in which he, he pushes back on things. It's sort of crazy uh, that people uh, use certain terms when they are trying to attack him and that he has to defend himself from certain terms because, you know, there's not a lot of other scenarios where I think anyone would be uh, given the – that's totally fine to say that about uh, this individual. But for some reason, if you're a Republican, uh, a black man and a Republican, you can have certain forms of criticism uh, that I can't really, again, envision uh, being lobbed at anyone else. Uh, but I will say this. That well, he, you know, I, one last – he kind of reminds me – and this is a, a, a weird connection, and I, I don't mean it because they're both black, of Barack Obama. And what I mean by that is you have someone who is 
a minority who's very well spoken, who's uh, very intelligent, who may come out of nowhere as far as his political party is concerned. When Obama won in 2008, that was not something anyone would have predicted going into the beginning part of that election. He was a name out of nowhere uh, that quickly gained steam. I don't know if it could be Vivek Ramaswamy or if it could be Tim Scott or, or Nikki Haley, as you said, uh, but there is an opportunity for someone to build a political campaign from nothing and after a, a few you know, primaries wind up being the candidate. And I think Tim Scott would have a reasonable uh, chance to be that guy. And, and just as I'm a player like James Carville was in the Democratic Party, he read the landscape and said, no, go with this person or go with this person. And uh, if I'm a Republican and I run a faith-based African-American against Biden, who can probably intellectually run circles around him and can bring the black vote in, I'm like, that's an interesting challenge to Biden. And I do like the fact that I think it's incredibly racist and a slap in the face to black people to say, oh, you have to think this way and vote Democrat. I mean, to me, that's insulting. There's more and more black conservatives out there. It's just like the Republicans saying, oh, the Democrats want Hispanics to come over the border so they can get more votes. Equally as uh, insulting to Hispanics because just because you're Hispanic, you can be conservative, yeah. you can be liberal. Uh, it, 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 well, it's incredibly demeaning when you have one group of people and the Republicans think they're going to all vote Democrat. I'm like, look at their background. Yeah. Religious-based, Catholic. Number one on their list is jobs and crime. So this is and, interesting. And safety. Yeah, and in- I'm like, that's... Right. It's interesting that you go that road, Dan, because uh, it didn't come up in my conversation with uh, Pastor Hightower, but I, I intended to bring it up. Uh, in the exit polls in Florida, 13% of black voters supported Governor DeSantis. It seems to be disconnected with some of the messaging from the NAACP uh, and what you just said a second ago as far as assumptions that are made about certain communities and certainly ways in which they vote. Now, 13% is not significant. Uh, it's certainly uh, low, um, but this is 13% of specifically black voters in Florida uh, that now feel like the NAACP or anyone else is discrediting their existence, <laughs> essentially. And that's wow. that's an error you shouldn't make in our society today, no matter who you are. If you're a politician, I mean, Trump uh, brags a lot about his belief that he did a lot to benefit uh, the black community while he was in office. And he has certain numbers he points to that tries to back that that stance up. And there are ways in which that actually is is um, something you can prove to be true. And there are ways in which the the current president and administration have not um, um, done the same. And so it is interesting to me that sometimes and I, I believe this. I'll, I'll go this road, Dan. Uh, sorry for the rant. I think this is true about young people, too. I'm a millennial. Uh, when I have certain conversations with with uh, people, I don't mean of any specific race or sex or anything, but just people in my age bracket, there's so little information for some of my, my very good friends that I respect as very intelligent people as far as what actual policies are and how they would or wouldn't benefit um, uh, society, our, you know, ourselves. And it's way more about things that seem to be to me, distractions, uh, things like what Trump said on Twitter or what happened here or there. It seems that the policy conversation is non-existent. Oh, no, you're here. I got you. I'm sorry. Um, to me, it seems like it's somewhat non-existent. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, so you're right. I mean, you got, it's individuals, which Tim Scott says, this is America, we all have opportunities, and I like that. And think about DeSantis, he won fairly handily Miami-Dade County, which has been, it's like, it's like a a governor of Illinois winning Cook County, Uh, (laughs) you know. Yes. He won Miami-Dade County fairly significantly, and that's been a Democratic stronghold for a long time. I look at that, I go, ooh, antenna up. Right. Uh, Actually, what's also uh, interesting about Miami-Dade County, and I'm making sure that this is true, is that there are 2.6 million people that live there, and about 500,000 of those people are black. Um, So it's about a fifth of the entire population of that city. And for uh, DeSantis to win that city means he may have support in places that it's being assumed he doesn't, uh, which is right. uh, interesting, too. Um, beyond the, the conversations in the world of politics, is there anything else you guys have been talking about in the morning show that's uh, been extra fun? Anything else you want to share here? Yeah, no, it's it's the same old news, like, like the debt ceiling talk. I'm like, sure. Eh. <laughs> the, 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 left, the left is holding Biden hostage as mm-hmm. much as the right is holding McCarthy hostage. And the interesting thing I heard that some Democrats are saying, hey, can we bring in Mitch McConnell? See, McConnell is an old-school politician, yeah. a lot like Biden. They've worked together. They've worked on bipartisan bills. I go, wow, they're actually considering bringing in McConnell. Sure. Uh, can I ask you this? Because uh, this is a, a position I've been taking more and more on my show this week. The biggest mistake that Democrats have made is to dismiss the idea that Republicans could put up a fight at all. And what I mean by that is um, is Biden should have been sitting down with Republicans two, three, four months ago uh, and having conversation. Even if he had no interest in giving in, he should have been sitting down and hearing out the other side day in and day out or week in and week out for quite some time here. So it wasn't more likely that a lot of Americans could point to Democrats than Republicans as the potential problem because of how long their narrative was we refused to speak and i even played audio yesterday from the white house press secretary where she made fun of as much as she would in that role the idea of negotiating with republicans all the way up until a couple weeks ago uh, saying that it just wasn't going to happen it wasn't a position democrats would entertain isn't that a pretty profound mistake in how we got to where we are now well and it's happened over and over and over again but yeah if you want to make a difference it's called optics Yes. You meet in January, and then you could put the blame on them going, hey, we've been trying to talk to them since right. January. Yes. If you want to shape the, and, the message to the American people that Republicans are being, um, um, you know, unfair, they're being unrealistic in the asks that they're having, you can't ignore them until four weeks before the deadline and then say, well, now they're being unreasonable because you wouldn't hear them out uh, two or three months ago. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Fair enough. I agree. Uh, anything else before yeah. I let you go, man? No, that's really it. I mean, it's just uh, we're kind of like uh, we wake up sometimes and they go, how does uh, how does <laughs> CNN fill 24 hours? There's about 10 minutes of news that's uh, really out there. Fair enough. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. Get, Greg and I are like, okay, we're bored with this stuff. we got to talk about it. But it's the same news over and over again. It does feel a little bit like we're in Groundhog Day uh, more often than not. Uh, uh, thank you, as always. Yeah. Uh, Dan DiOrio, The Morning Show, The Greg and Dan Show, 530 to 9 every single day. Um, feel better, man. I look forward to talking to you again soon. 
Later. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I've had guests the entire show today, which is kind of awesome. Uh, this is great. I have a bunch of topics. I'm just going to throw them in the trash at some point. Uh, Brett Brooks, <laughs> uh, thank you for being here. Of course. Um, lots of things to talk about. Let's start with uh, the story that went viral most recently for you. Uh, this is the one about the uh, bus driver and the little kid. Um, what's this story? So there was an eight-year-old boy who went to Marad Elementary, and we know it's almost the end of the school year, so... You know, emotions are kind of high. And on the bus on Monday on the way home, uh, there was an incident between this eight-year-old boy and another kid who his mom identified as someone who was bullying her son, the eight-year-old boy. And the driver of the bus was yelling at this eight-year-old boy to, like, pretty much shut up. Mm-hmm. But he was using curse words. Yeah. And he cursed the F word three times um, in this 20-second clip. And you can see the bus driver towering over the seat where the kid is sitting you don't see him but in the story you can see him yelling at the kid and cursing at him and his mom was obviously this happened on monday his mom was very upset and so she talked to us yesterday about it and he has since the driver has not been on that route and the kid has not been in school since as of yesterday gotcha how much school is left do you know uh, do they have he a lot of days next friday next friday is the last day of school, school. For them. okay um and so a couple other things about this story that were in your uh, report uh the little boy the eight-year-old uh he has um he's he's got he has like, de- developmental issues okay his mom says that he was progressing slower than average for kids his age he also had health um, lung issues when he was born that she says he's outgrowing something about a larynal cleft okay. uh, and aspirations, which is long pulmonary gotcha. uh, when I Googled it. Got nice. <laughs> I'm not Look a doctor. Yeah, well done. Um, and also, uh, is and he, he was just able to um, eat liquids recently. Is, is he hearing impaired at all, too? Is that a part of the story or no? Yes. She told us that he was had partial hearing loss. Okay. Um, so prior to this, an eight year old kid who's getting bullied by some other kid on yes. the bus winds up getting yelled at by a bus driver who stands over him and yells curse words at the kid. Yes. And the only reason that there's video of this is because this uh, little boy, his twin sister, was also on that bus. Yes. He had two siblings on the bus, his twin sister and an older brother who recorded the video mm-hmm. and sent it to their mom four minutes before they actually was about to be dropped off. He was sure. close to home anyway. And so the mom confronted the bus driver and said, you know, I saw the video of you cursing. And the bus driver did apologize and said that it was inappropriate. But she went ahead and sent the video to the school. And the driver has not been on that route since. Gotcha. And they, the school obviously is not going to tell us if he was under any disciplinary action. But um, he hasn't been on that route. I wonder this about not necessarily this story, but just in general, when we have video and it's not a totality of whatever occurred. Uh, are you at all of any impression of what caused the driver to react? Like, is there any sort of explanation or are there differing accounts of of how you got to the position of a bus driver standing over a little kid and yelling those things at him? No, I don't have that information. I just know that shortly before it happened, the boy, the eight-year-old boy, was hit in the head by another boy. Okay. To me, it just seems like a frustrated employee who's just tired. I mean, it's, it is in the school year. I don't know how much he sees of the bus driver every day. Yeah. But I don't think cursing at a kid is any indication, especially when he was so close to home. Like, literally, it was four minutes before. Yeah. So just tell the mom at that point. Drop him off. Yeah. Tell the mom. 
and say for the rest of the school year, this boy's not allowed back on the bus. Sure. I, I think that anybody who watches the video that you guys uh, put up on 25 uh, will feel that the bus driver is definitely in the wrong and the little kid is definitely um, should not be treated this way. Yes. Um, and we also can't hold kids as high. We can't hold kids no. accountable like us. You no, know no, no. They, they know. Right. You, if, if you would react this way toward another adult, um, that isn't, as what you're saying, the, the excuse to do it if it's a child. I would say exactly. this, though. This is just a weird thing that popped into my brain as we're talking about this. I went to uh, a Catholic grade school as a kid, and nuns used to whack us with stuff every so often. <laughs> oh, no. I know they did. They're like like rulers and stuff. Like if you did something wrong, you got a little, you got a little whack. I don't know if it's because it was like a nun that I was like, all right, this is, is probably okay still. Like I, I never, I, you know, because oh I, I got full on smacked at times. Uh, Sister oh Nadine, God. Sister Nadine was, she was surprising because um, you wouldn't think there's so much power in that little woman. Anyway, uh, we'll move it on. <laughs> um, it's just interesting to think about how uh, generations, <laughs> well, it's interesting to think how generationally people will probably um, use their own frame of reference, their own life experience to to look at this story and evaluate the the seriousness of this story. But um, at the end of the day, I, I can't I can't imagine that anyone actually will think the bus driver is in the right. And actually, as you said, the bus driver apparently has acknowledged that they uh, did yeah. something wrong. Okay, he, cool. he did. He said he said he apologized and it was he said it was inappropriate. So yeah, he understood. Yeah, I don't know if that would make it okay if it was my kid um, and I watched that all. <laughs> I don't know if I would be cool exactly. at that point. Um, all right, let's talk about the honor their sacrifice. You've done one story already, um, yes, and actually, John uh, Miller has been now interviewed with National News, so it seems like you probably... The bus, the bus is getting out there. Yeah, yeah, you probably are the reason that that happened. Uh, there's a, a one in a million chance that someone found my podcast and was like, man, I love... No, I'm kidding. It's probably you. Um, but anyway, uh, there's another story coming up with you and John, yes? Yes. So I don't want to give too many details sure. yet, maybe next Friday, but I've been um, documenting his journey mm-hmm. over the last couple of days cleaning the tombstones at Springdale Cemetery in time for Memorial Day. So on Sunday, my full longer story is probably going to be about probably closer to three minutes about nice. him over the course of a couple of days cleaning these tombstones and kind of why he does it. I'm just diving deeper into the meaning behind it, talking to a veteran to talking to the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a really good piece. I'm excited about it. What have you um, felt? Uh, and I know this is probably not necessarily going to be a part of the, the television coverage, but, um, you know, I, I was moved when I went out to those graves and watched the way. And I actually wound up cleaning some on both of the days that volunteers showed up. Um, but there's just something about the desire to do this, especially since part of this story is a lot of the graves that are, are very, very dirty uh, probably don't have any family members that are still even visiting them in the first place, which is just sort of something to, to think about. Uh, but what sort of emotions has this story maybe um, caused for you? To me, it's very like um, you kind of have to be self- not selfish, but like the opposite of selfish, like to give back in such a way. Yeah, so selfless, got, yeah. Yeah, selfless. And um, it's very touching to see. I have, you know, I told you my three grandfathers sure. who all were veterans in one way or another, and they always told me their stories, and some of them went to Vietnam. And then I've also covered the honor flight here, so I oh. understood the meaning of them coming back home mm-hmm. and getting that welcome home that they did not receive. And I think that you know, we all are here temporarily, but our spirit obviously lives on. So I think by helping out and cleaning out these tombstones, it's in a way kind of revitalizing the appreciation for what they did yeah. by making that, you know, ultimate sacrifice. When did you do the honor flight stuff? The second to 
the last ones before the season. Well, I just did these ones. I was behind the scenes for some of this uh, past one. This uh, it was amazing. Every oh, part yes. of it was amazing. It just started back up. Yeah, yeah. The, before we it just ended, did one. I yeah. did it. I yeah. think October. It's actually funny. A uh, Twenty Five News uh, showed up because my wife and I were on a bus with veterans at four a.m. in the morning, driving to the airport and hanging out with them as they were checking in and everything. Yes. And then we were there at the um, airport when everybody came home, and that's a really cool thing. Yeah, it's always jam packed. I was able to get on the tarmac twice. Nice. While the plane was taking off yeah that's so cool. cool yeah no i i highly recommend anyone and everyone that's hearing us talk about this right now if you've never been to the airport to greet people when they return from the honor flight which is a one-day trip to dc do it because it's yes. amazing yeah. but then we even got on a, a bus and rode back with the guys to the hotel and there was a little ceremony for the world war ii veterans that were uh, brothers uh, that were on the flight oh, yeah, like so many parts of it were crazy um, but the reason I just brought this up is 25 News walked in, and Betty, my wife, elbowed me. She's like, Brett's here. And I'm like, Brett's not at everything 25 <laughs> News is. She might not be here. But that was the first, like, oh, Brett, Brett Brooks is here. No, not that early. Right, yeah. Not You've done it before, though. I was, when I was morning reporter last year, yes. Gotcha. Did yes. you get to go on the flight or no? No, not yet. I want to be on the not flight yet. real bad. I want it very I do bad. Too. Okay. I do too. Good. We both want to be on the flight. Um, and go I f- to DC. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I found out it costs five hundred bucks uh, for the people that go as the guardian oh. for the person who who gets the flight. So, oh. so it's it's not that's not bad. Yeah, it's not unaffordable. I think people can figure that out, and it'd be really cool to hang out with somebody all day and and do that whole thing. I didn't know we had that in common that we both got to be behind the scenes to that. Yes, that's yeah. kind of cool. To know yeah, that. I know. I I didn't know the honor flights were. I mean, I'd heard about them a little bit, but I didn't know what they were until I got to to do that whole thing and. Man. I mean, it's a really big deal because a lot of them came back home like from Vietnam right. to people opposing the war at the time. Um, some of the black soldiers came home to racism because this is the 60s. So when they came home, they probably came home to nobody at the airport if yeah. they had a loved one who welcomed them home. So to get this welcome home is a big deal. Yeah. doesn't matter how long ago they initially came home. But I think to n- let us know that we did appreciate what they did for us yeah. is... It, yeah, well, it, shows that it was worth it. You said you have veterans in your family. I have veterans of mine, my grandfather, my uncles. Uh, and one thing I would say about a lot of vets is they're pretty like stone. Like the emotions yeah, don't come are. out often. They're that classical like. Um, and they don't talk about what happened. No, they're that classical dude that you talk about sometimes who's like everything is, is internal. And then when you see some of those men break as they're going through the, the reception, mm-hmm. at, like, I don't know, that to me is the most emotional thing that I saw. Because there's one guy who couldn't, he couldn't stop. And he seemed like he was really fighting the emotions, but he, he couldn't prevent them. Aww. And it was touching. Uh, he shouldn't feel bad about that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Man should, man I'm, sh- I'm sure you had some of those, too. All right, cool. I did. Uh, anything else we should know about is stuff coming up on 25? Not on 25, but I do want to mention oh. this Juneteenth. Yes. So me with the Yanni Collective, my company is B-Square Productions. I put on the Miss Illinois Earth Pageant. We are crowning a very first Miss Juneteenth for the Juneteenth celebration that's going to happen down there at the Carver Center, Saturday, June 18th, 19th. Okay, I'll, I'll help you out with that. Yeah, Juneteenth, though. Um, so <laughs> it's, the, it's that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I would assume it's after the 9th. Yeah. But anyway, so Miss Juneteenth. 17th. Okay, perfect. So Miss Juneteenth is uh, a cultural staple in a Juneteenth celebration. Very Patents alone are big in the South. And so there's always a Miss Juneteenth competition for women. It's typically a scholarship pageant. And Peoria has never had a Miss Juneteenth title holder ever. So we are officially bringing a Miss Juneteenth here. The announcement was just made this morning with us and Yanni. And we're looking for girls 18 to 26 years old. One person is going to be appointed. So the applications are open. And then next year we're going to have the actual pageant competition. Okay. Where Uh, we are appointing our inaugural queen. What is there a, a prize for the winner? 
there's a few things in store for her. Okay, no, okay, you don't get into all of it. That's fine. Including a press tour. Wow. Um, yes, but she's gonna have the whole year of just a whole bunch of goodiness. Nice, I like that. A whole bunch of goodiness. That sounds fun too. Um, thank you so much as always for hanging out for being a part of thank uh, the you for show. Having me. Sure, and uh, thank you for covering the honor, um, their sacrifice stuff. That was really great. Um, yes, and on Sunday it's gonna be a really big story. Um, it's, it should air at 5:30 if I have it done in time. If not, it'll be 10 <laughs> o'clock. Do you edit it yourself? I, yes, and um, I'm I'm very very tedious. I knew one other uh, TV person in town, um, and uh, that person had no producer, uh, just them. Nope, and so just you me. produce your segment, you edit your segment, I you shoot it, you shoot it, you, you obviously ank- right. I find it. <laughs> you do I web it. I everything. social it. You know, it's funny is I, I sit, put it on my Instagram. I sit here sometimes and make some jokes, and I'm I'm probably should make less jokes about how I I do a lot of my show solo, and I I don't realize how many TV people do the exact same thing. Heavy equipment. Uh huh. I've been working out like with Dr. Who's here to make sure I can actually carry my now I envision you at a gym running with a tripod as opposed to like having weights and just <laughs> well, running back and you forth. You saw me on Saturday out there with the equipment. That's my true. tripod is pretty much the rest of my lower half. It's yeah. like half of me. It's it's a lot. Yeah, it and seems like a lot. it's actually heavy. Right. And and half the time you're moving it around, you're doing it with like high heels and stuff. So you're doing it like Wonder Woman style. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just so, a lot of my coworkers were, I just can't wear I can't wear flats with skirts and dresses or gym shoes with skirts and dresses. It's just a fashion faux pas me. It's the pageant part of you coming out? So, yes. Okay. You, when people see me out, I do typically have on my heels or I do have shiny gym shoes that have Swarovski crystals all oh. over them. Oh, wow. I don't think you saw I don't think those. I've seen those yet. No, no, no. Yeah, no. but yeah. I know but I even, even more impressive, as I said, to watch you lift heavy things and, and lift them into like the middle of, of um, a field. The cemetery. And to do, and to do that while also <laughs> rocking a heel. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Um, I've been talking about this in one way or another uh, for a lot of this week. That We're going to be telling a really cool story a little bit after 5 o'clock uh, with a lot of people who came together to make a thing happen. Um, and there's even video uh, out there. So we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, my friends at the VFW uh, and other uh, friends of ours uh, that we're meeting now, uh, Freedom Paws, uh, one of those organizations, uh, did a really cool thing. Uh, but first, uh, Betty is here for your word of the day. How are you doing? Good, Craig. Thank you for having me. I don't have my headphones, <laughs> I like so I cannot listen. I know anything that I know, I'm saying. And you're a right professional, now. and you don't like not having your headphones on. I, I apologize. Um, let me ask you uh, this. Yesterday, you were talking about having a busy day. How did today go with your oh, work? Oh, I crushed it. You um, crushed um, it. I mean, my brain is like <laughs> you uh, destroyed so, the day. Yes, my my hamster in my brain is totally like ready for taking a nap. A long nap. Yes. Were you going to say but, your brain is soup? Is that what you're going to say yeah. a second ago, too? Yeah. you got a soup brain right now. Yes. Okay. But you, but you crushed your day of work. Yep. Are you proud of yourself? Uh, well, I have to say thank you to one of my co-workers that I actually just sent him an email asking for help. I was like, dude, mm-hmm. you don't help me. This is going to be behind and I'm not going to get it. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. Was it a super desperate email? You were, yes. you were begging for some help? Yes. You were, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my friend is like, calm down, Betty, because he doesn't work here. He works uh, in another market. In another market. Yeah. So he's not here in the office. But he helped but you he out. he was very nice to help mm-hmm. me out, yeah. And you crushed everything else. Everything else. And you then, like, threw your computer up in the air when you left. You yes. Just, okay. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> threw it out of the window. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you got to be a part of a lot of the things we're going to talk about in a little bit uh, with the um, VFW and with uh, Freedom Paws. You have a Freedom Paws sticker on the yes. back of your car now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm big supporting fan. them, of big, course. Big, big fan. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll get to... Um, uh, keep you on for some of this actually we're also going to have um some beer in studio i don't know if you know about that yes there's a bunch of growlers of beer from casper which is a really cool veteran-owned brewery in bloomington Bloomington. yeah um so the other thing we usually do when you're on though um for the segment that's 
Betty's segment that is the most popular segment on my show already after like a week and a half of doing it is your word of the day. Yeah. And we're going to do a word of the day that's somehow tied to everything else we're going to talk about. What's the word of the day? Well, it's not a word, actually. It's a phrase. Phrase There the are four words in that phrase. Mm-hmm. It is like veteranos de, la, de guerras extranjeras. Veteranos wow. de guerras extranjeras. So, so the gauntlet has been raised a lot. 